Welcome to Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures. Before we begin this episode, I wanted to make sure we give a shout out. It's really important that we talk about our friends, Brad and Sandy, before we do our episode on Van Halen. Yeah, and before we do our episode here, Brad and Sandy, they would say, you're not doing an episode on Van Halen, you're doing an episode on Van Hagar, who is their favorite version of Van Halen, is the Sammy Hagar version. So Sandy cuts both Frank and I's hair, Mm -hmm. and uh, she does a great job. Fantastic. Our, Our hair looks awesome. I would say it's the best hair that's in this pub right now. Yeah. And Brad, we know you love Van Halen. So this episode is dedicated to both of you. Okay, so the question that I have for our our listeners and Bill and uh, and our guest uh, Rick here is if you feel really strongly, really passionately for someone, why can't that be love? Does it have to be both ways or can you love just one way? I think you can love just one way. Yeah, I mean, what love is love, right, man? Yes, but what is love? But why can't it be love? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of questions here. I think we I think we've uh We've used the term love so much that it's lost all meaning. Yeah. Well, we're bringing that back today in Guilt-Free Pleasures. We're bringing love back. That's right. Uh, we're going to welcome Rick uh, again, once again, uh, to uh, to join the podcast here. He's, we're going to be talking about Van Halen's Why Can't This Be Love? And uh, uh, I already said welcome twice, so I'm going to say it a third time. Welcome back, Rick. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. All right. Rick actually requested this song. So he sent a text message to me a few months ago asking about this song and so this is um we've actually done this this will be the second time we've done a request episode where we've brought in we brought in a guest who's brought a request so again listeners send us requests well let's dive into the song here yep okay This is the first single by the Van Hagar version of Van Halen. Yeah. So David Lee Roth has quit the band or fired. It depends on what history you're reading. I'm pretty sure he quit, but it, but it was pretty acrimonious. Sammy Hagar comes in, and this is the first single off the glorious 5150 album. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's a little bit of a bit of a surprise that they they go with a more of a ballad approach to introducing this this lineup of the band, right? Because Sammy Hagar already had that reputation of being a rocker previous to yeah. this. Yeah, he was called the Red Rocker. That's right. Chuck Klosterman. You ever reading Chuck Klosterman? A little bit. Great yeah. writer said this is on the Wikipedia page. I'm sure you you noticed where they said this is he ranked 
all 130 or 131. I yep. should know what I have right 131. in front of me. 131 songs, and he ranked this as the 131st, which helps wow. its inclusion into this podcast because we tend to like to pick those things that have been cast aside. The, the, the song's out on the fringes, right? Yeah. So he says the following, just so we're clear, this is not the single worst Van Halen song to listen to. I won't jump out of a moving vehicle if it comes on the radio, but why can't this be love was first single released off 5150, and that was the worst decision the band ever made. If they opened with Get Up or Summer Nights, the collective view of the post-Roth Van Halen would likely be quite different. Introducing the Hagar era with a cold, mid-tempo, keyboard-based love song installed a belief that Van Halen was moving away from high-octane fiesta rock and toward responsible, adult-only radio maturity. <laughs> I don't know. I love Chuck Klosterman. Yeah. I kind of disagree. I'll disagree with him on yeah. this. I mean, I think uh, the band had uh, had moved on a little bit from the the, David, the Diamond Dave uh, era, right? And yeah, you grow up as a band. They've been together since 75, right? So this is like 10 years later. They're not teenage kids anymore. Yeah. So, Rick, you picked this song. So what was it? So Chuck Hossman's calling it the worst, but you said this seems like the perfect song for a podcast. I agree. Um, for reasons you touched on there, too, that the the purpose not being songs that everybody loves. These are your guilty pleasures. These are the songs that you enjoy that maybe aren't as beloved by other people and should be. Um, and I don't know, this song, I guess, resonated with eight-year-old me back when I first heard it in 86 when it first came out. Uh, I remember um, with your Walkman and the mixtapes we'd make, uh, listening to it on car rides and stuff. And I don't know, it's just something about the the energy behind it. And it just always kind of hit me. I enjoyed it from a young age and it's still, if I hear it, I still enjoy it. Well, and the people enjoyed it because this went to number three on Billboard. That's right, yeah. Do you know, uh, a little bit of trivia, do you know what was number one? Uh, not this song. It was, not, <laughs> it was a different one, right? I feel there, like there were two others in there, front of yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's two other. Can I try that again? This is number three. <laughs> yeah. And there's two others above. I don't know what was number two, but I can tell you what was number one. Okay, I'll uh, let's see if I can give you a hint. I like this. The, I like the tension that you're building by uh, by looking for this it good. before he tell us. Yeah, well, I wrote it down just so I could yeah. state it. Um, it's it's actually similarly related. Why can't this be love? Mm-hmm. Be the question. And the answer would be, you need to believe that the children are your future. Whitney Houston. Oh wow! Yeah, greatest love of all. Didn't realize it was the same year actually no i know right yeah i never thought whitney houston was as early as 86 yep that was that was when it came out okay were we doing that song at some point oh i mean we very well could yeah i know we have some big fans out there chelsea a little shout out to you yeah okay back to the song it hits number three it's a huge hit it's the second biggest van halen song they have had a one number one hit yeah which was right now wasn't it jump okay okay Nice try, Edit Frank. that out. <laughs> <laughs> no wrong Didn't answers. right now go to number one, or are no. we talking previously? Right now, it didn't, didn't even chart. I don't really? Know. Yeah, it did for us. It did on, like, the Much Music and I the video thing. it was thing. huge. It was huge for us. I think yeah. it was, like, commercials and it was everything. Great. Yeah. It's great. Well, I thought right now was bigger as well. I didn't realize this was bigger than right now, because I'm like, this Crystal Pepsi didn't pick this song. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, 
Simi Hager does use a Pepsi commercial as one of the key parts of this song. Yeah. It's got what it takes. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah, a yeah, Pepsi. Yeah. <laughs> took it from a Pepsi commercial, yeah. I think. So this song went to number three. It was the biggest hit of the Hagar era. So bigger it, than right now? Bigger than right now. But only <laughs> clearly. But only in terms of Billboard in that moment. But over yeah. time, I think people don't I didn't remember this song at all. Even yeah. when Rick told me, like, I was thinking of Love Comes Walking In. Yeah. So for Which me is about an alien abduction. Exactly. My for me, fifty one fifty, I think I like about four or five other songs more than this one. I was yeah. surprised this was actually a single. I didn't realize it. So I I, I didn't listen to Van Halen because uh we uh I think we we're listening to Age to Age by Amy Grant at that point. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think I think maybe it did as well as it did. And I'm not trying to besmirch the song uh at all, but maybe because it was the first single and everyone was like you know, all the Van Halen fans that, uh, you know, after after Dave leaves and everything and they're they're just like, No, 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 this is still good. This is still maybe maybe they pushed it a little bit further than than it would have organically gone had it been like had the the split between uh, uh David Lee Roth and Van Halen not happened and like the fans of Van Halen are just trying to you know you know what I'm saying right I know you know I got it come on you guys everyone knows what I'm saying right <laughs> An odd piece of trivia I came up with uh well like I don't know if it's really trivia I guess it's more just feedback about this song and about the iteration of Van Halen that came after David Lee Roth and maybe this can explain why it jumped up so much again no pun intended with the previous hit there but um uh they said um or i rather read that um the lyrics started becoming more relatable to women to the female audience with sammy hagar coming in because david lee roth uh obviously you know with his i don't even know if it was a self-proclaimed or given to him the sex addiction and most of his songs had euphemisms for everything like going right. into sex yeah. sex sex and then all of a sudden the new van halen comes and it's kind of more gearing towards maybe he was still talking about it but love and and lyrics that that the female audience could actually grasp onto yeah. was, was something that i'd read about and maybe that has something to do with yeah. it i don't know a, a little uh, more sentimental i i read a quote uh, i read something he said you probably wouldn't hear david lee roth sing about the funny thing uh, again winding me up inside unless he was pointing to his crotch i love the david lee roth era and i yeah. think we all agree that's the van halen that kind of well, we we that know was the of fun van it's fun yes. like but not, it was, not to say that Van Hagar wasn't fun, but it was a little more like it was a little more grown up fun. Oh yeah, it was serious. And and David Lee Roth, I guess when I listen to the lyrics, they are objectifying, mm. but he's so ridiculous and yeah. such a vaudeville performer. Yeah, <laughs> that it's hard to take it seriously. But this one, I don't think the word is. What's the op- opposite of objectification? Is it subjectification? Non-objectification. Non-objectification. Yes. Well, either way, this is more sentimental, thoughtful, and it is about someone who believes in love. Yeah. Now, uh, just to come back to why they picked this song, watch the Sammy Hagar interview where they asked him, did you think this would be a hit? And they said, we knew it would be a hit. Okay. Which was surprising to me, but at the time, maybe it's it's something in 1986 that they knew that what was going on. Warner Brothers president, Mo Austin comes to the band's studios, so 5150, which is mm-hmm. just really, at that time, it was Eddie Van Halen's garage, but he called yeah. it 5150 Studios. 
And he came in to hear the band's progress. So I'm just reading a quote here. Hagar said, The band played Why Can't This Be Love live with Eddie on keyboards, after which Austin proclaimed, I smell money. <laughs> and that's basically why they picked it. And he was right. Yeah. So, so and Mo Austin is, uh, he was a big deal. Yeah. It's it's funny that a record executive would uh, would prioritize money over artistry. <laughs> It's shocking. Amazing. Really. I know, right? It's interesting that you met, you pointed out the Eddie on keyboards thing. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, uh, obviously, looking at uh, the history of the performance of this song in concert, um, that Eddie was not actually playing the guitars in shows for this particular yeah. track, at yeah. least. He was very heavy into the keyboard influence at that time. So he would mm-hmm. do the keyboards. Sammy Hagar would take over the guitar duties, the solos. And whatnot, which um, you, when you watch the older videos of them performing, you'd see that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then apparently, I guess it was uh, the For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge Tour, mm-hmm. where they came up with that name, um, where apparently then the keyboards were shifted off stage. Yeah, that's They right. no longer felt like the keyboards needed to be present and, and there. And then Eddie went back to his well, normal duties at the guitar. I and mean, it, if, if I was going to go see Van Halen in concert, I would want to see Eddie ripping on a guitar, not... Exactly. Sitting behind the the keys, right? So someone's in the back. So this backstage is playing, backstage playing yeah. on yeah. keys. I guess this happens on way more oh, yeah. shows than yeah. I realized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not just like an orchestra playing beneath the opera. Yeah. There's an orchestra playing beneath the rock yeah. and roll band. Exactly right. Just to put this out there, because of course it's a synthesizer. <laughs> it's in. I got this right in front of me here. Oberhein OB8 keyboard just come out about a year before. Yeah. Cost, I I went deep on this. Yeah. Cost about four and a half thousand dollars, I think. Oh, no, no, wait. That's an 86 money. Yeah. Might be more money than that, but there's only a few thousand made as well. Oh, okay. Hmm. So these are very rare to have, but a lot of people played on these and they talk about this kind of a famous thing. And I think they brought it on tours as well and yeah. had it in yeah. the back. So this is, I mean, what amazes me in this song is when I heard it, I thought it was a guitar part, but that was keys. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Eddie Van Halen is really inventive as a keyboard player, yeah. not just as a guitarist. Well, he's a revolutionary musician. Yeah, but it did invite right? criticism, though. That's mm-hmm. what a lot of, I guess, even talking about the shift from the David Lee Roth Van Halen to the Sammy Hagar Van Halen, mm-hmm. especially with this album, if you listen to it, there's a lot more synth on the albums there going forward even yeah. than there was before. Jump obviously had... The synth yeah. going on there, but um, in reading about the creation of this song, Eddie Van Halen actually used to always write his songs on guitar and then shift, where he started on keyboards with this one, and then shifted into the guitar afterwards. So probably, I guess, more reasons why people see that sharp contrast between the two Van Halens, if you will, is, is because of the the artistic direction they started yeah. taking beyond this point as well. And Eddie gets to, he's always been directing the music anyways. Yeah. And I mean, he sounds like, uh, not to besmirch him, but he, he kind of, Musical geniuses can kind of get things in their head, and and he, he kind of went off the rails, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I mean, they people made their peace before he passed and all that, but he was a classically trained piano player yeah. before this. So, the keys are kind of natural to him. Mm-hmm. And so, it and because, like you said, Frank, he's a musical genius, what he could do with the guitar, he's also bringing to other facets. Other instruments, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's like what we do 
we could do a podcast, but we also bring this to other things. Yeah, like our... Um, trivia nights. Trivia nights. Uh-huh. What else do we do? We're out of at our jobs. I think, uh, I think we hit what we need to about this. Yeah. You feel? Yeah. Let's uh, dive into lyrics and music. Let's go right to the song. Yeah. Let's. Um, so. We we got to talk about it, right? So the, yeah. there, there's there's a specific lyric in in, in the song that uh, um, I forget who it is, but he ranked it as the eighth worst lyric of all time. Yeah. That's from the Daily Telegraph. Okay, yeah, yeah. And it was the eighth worst lyric. Above it was Avril Lavigne's "Skater Boy." Okay, <laughs> I'll see you later, boy. Yeah. And then number one, Ricky. I think you'll know this better than me. But do you remember the line that came before "Rhythm is a Dancer"? thought that was the first line. Okay. Maybe I'm wrong. It is, it I is. I can't remember okay, any other lyrics from the song. <laughs> okay. I thought that was the only lyric in the song. Let me bring this up. <laughs> I should have written this down because it's so insane. Now I got to look this up myself. I'm serious as cancer when I say rhythm is a dancer. There it is. Worst line of all time. So, hey, Sammy. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <That's>... So, holy <laughs> cow. Oh, snap. He like was the just... crack of the whip, now snap attack, front to back, and this thing called rap. All right. I guess we're doing that song, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was a skater boy. I'll see you later, boy. Yeah. So, all right. Let's go to that lyric, though. In, you know, when comparing to these, this yeah. this is uh, this might be a Leonard Cohen song. Yeah, honestly, right? <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's, in, it's in the second verse, mm-hmm. and it starts off, I tell myself, hey, only fools rush in. And only time will tell if we stand the test of time. That is true. Exactly. This is okay. I'm not saying the lyric is Shakespeare or even like contemporary slam poetry or whatever is is hip these days. I'm I'm not entirely certain. But logically say, thinking, like, take it backwards, right? The, the second line is, uh, if we stand the test of time. Okay, so they, they're trying to figure out if they're going to stand the test of time. And only time will tell if you can stand the test of time. You need time in there. You need to endure the time to know if you can stand the test of time. Am I, am I wrong? I don't think you're wrong, but I must say that originally, before we even started this, you said, I'm going to defend this. I'm like, yeah, I'm with you on it. I, I always, you know, you know me. I'm like, the, when the song I demands it, it. I defended it great. Your defense that you just gave made me think, <laughs> oh, wow, that is a terrible lyric. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, 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 I have the power to change minds. All right, let me give you an Austin Powers line. Allow myself to introduce. Introduce myself. Exactly. Yeah. I feel this might be my rank with that. So Mike Myers wrote this song. All right, Rick, way in here. We got we got one versus one. Or will will time is it only time that will let you know if you stand the test of time? Yes. I mean it's not inaccurate that it is true. Exactly. Only time. How will else tell. are you gonna yeah. say that? Logic yeah. does prevail. Hey yeah. Sammy, I am a Van Hagar fan. I think yeah. that'll come out later, but I, I really like Sammy Hagar and I will forgive the lyric. Because I don't know what else. I'm not a lyricist. No. No. I've written songs. They're all terrible. Yeah. Can we, I know can what I would rhyme dancer with. I'm not <laughs> good enough. Prancer. Yeah. Prancer, yeah. Yeah. 
feel like maybe we should do one of Frank's songs one day for a guilty pleasure. And Frank did write songs. I did write songs. They're all terrible. That time will come again. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That'll be my midlife crisis when I start <laughs> writing poetry and songs again. Straight from my heart. Let me read out the lyrics, but yeah. not in the way Sammy Hagar sings them. Let's yeah. see what we can do with them there. And then then I, I, we should talk about the music, because that really is the whole point here. Yeah. Whoa, here it comes. That funny feeling again, winding me up inside every time we touch. Hey, I don't know. Oh, tell me where to begin, because I've never, ever felt so much. And I can't recall any love at all. Ah, oh, baby, this blows them all away. It's got what it takes. So tell me, why can't this be love? Straight from my heart. Well, tell me, why can't this be love? So is, is this a song about unrequited love? Is this a, um, a, lo- a love that someone has that is not being reciprocated? I'm using a lot of big words here. That is, they were well used. Well, Rick, why don't you jump in on that? What do you, what do you see this as a narrative framework? We, we're big on this here at Guilt Free Pleasures. Actually, this is all we're really about. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, well, that was actually something I kind of wrestled with a little bit, I guess you could say, uh, because you could read the songs in two completely different ways. The first one being uh, it's someone experiencing strong feelings for someone. They're uncertain over what these feelings are that they're feeling, and they're giving themselves an argument, explaining the emotion, questioning if it fits, then maybe it's love. I don't know. But then the alternative viewpoint, which for some reason I, I really hadn't given much thought to until I was reading up on it, when other people were reading it from the opposite side, where he is almost making an argument to the object of his affection about, hey, you know, it's got all the right pieces, it's got what it takes, so why can't what we have together be love? And yeah, I don't know where I sit on that argument, actually, so... That's a good call, because he uses the word baby, this blows them all away, if he's talking to the object of his affection, yeah. not objectifying yeah. David Lee Roth, you hear, you're hearing me? Yeah. Hearing me? So he's actually... Talking to a baby. Yeah. clearly yes there that's that was my point i i'm thinking this is a guy wrestling in his head the so it'd be the first first version where Mm -hmm. he's in something that's so serious he doesn't even know how to define it going back to what you said at the beginning and so we we've had these relationships before where it's nothing like you've had before yeah and then the question is oh is this love this is usually the question but this song is kind of fascinating that he chooses the words why can't this be love? Like, yeah. well, that's such an odd way of putting it. <laughs> why can't this be love? I'm like, well, all right, Sammy, I don't know what, well, these rockers have a whole other way of experiencing life. Yeah. See, I take the, I take a, a the, the second sort of look at it and that's, uh, he, he's trying to, uh, trying to convince the objective of his, of his affection that he's just like, what we have is a good thing. It's like, why can't it be love? Like I'm in love. Why can't this be love. And if you guys can see my hand motions, I'm, <laughs> no. I'm doing the like mm-hmm. back and forth between arguably Sammy and, and whoever this baby person is. On the, the second verse, I, I would say it's more of him talking to himself. Yeah. But I, I, I think the song is, is about trying to, uh, to uh, um, 
convince essentially the, the the woman that he's involved with that this is love. So only fools rush in. Yeah. And in my head, I'm like, oh, I got some a great connection to make. Yeah. That this is Elvis Presley's I Can't Help Falling in Love with you. with you. Yeah. But then I did a little research and that there's a song called Only Fools Rush In by Johnny Mercer, wrote the lyrics. It was from 1940, Frank Sinatra saying. Okay. okay. But then went even deeper into that. <laughs> it's actually Alexander Pope from the 17th century who wrote a poem called An Essay on Criticism. Also an odd title for a poem. Yeah. But okay, whatever. But that's where he You would think it would be called a poem on criticism. Exactly. Well, I guess it's even then they were kind of clever. Yeah. So the line was, only fools rush in where angels fear to tread. And so trying to apply it to this song is... So he's talking to an angel. Yeah. How do you talk to an angel? So it's the heights, right? Yeah, this, yeah, yeah. yeah. So this isn't the first time we've referenced the heights. This is the this is the, at least the third time we've yeah, referenced the least. heights. But it might be we the, need to do that song. Yeah. So um, this is the thing about love is like don't rush in. But when you're in something that's big, you of course you rush in. Rick, yeah. you rushed in with Jody. I remember. I I guess you could call it rushing. I don't know. I didn't feel it rushed, but hey. When you feel it's right, it's right. Well, it was, I remember, so when Rick met his spouse, it was on a camping weekend. That's right. And they hung I out. I was there too. Yeah, Frank, we were all there. That's true, we yeah. hung out the entire weekend. Once you met her, I don't know if we talked to you the rest of the weekend. <laughs> we drove up with you. <laughs> you disappeared. You got, you were all in, which is how it should be. And why can't it be love? Rick, was it love? It, well, only time will tell if we stand the test of time, but yeah. it's... Uh, 20 years? 20 years now uh, for marriage, yes. 20 years married in August. And how long dating? Uh, about three years prior. I think time is told. And time is told that, that you, you st- stood the test of time. <laughs> no, I can't recall anything at all. Oh, baby, this falls a long way. Woo! It's not what it takes. So tell me why can't... I like the the lyrics are lyrics are fine, and I yep. like that they're sentimental. Yeah, I know Daily Roth's fun and all that, but I I like Sammy Hagar. I like yep. what he's bringing to the table, yep. and I think it bring it changes things. Cause Eddie Van Halen wants to do this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. He's now with Valerie Bertinelli. There's there's all these things she loves the lyrics that Sammy Hagar yep. is bringing to the table for fifty one fifty. So why can't this be a yeah. good song? Yeah. So. Our experiences with the song, you, you said that you remember listening to it when, when you were eight. I don't recall this song because I was listening to a lot of pop music um, through my whole um, sort of childhood first, and yeah, everything. 30 years. Probably yeah. my, my, my first 30, 35 years, nothing but pop music. But um, when I was in high school, my sister was seeing a guy who was a big Van Halen fan and being a weird, awkward uh, um, high school kid. Anyone who's older than you, who has any sort of like popularity, like even like a little bit of popularity, was the coolest person to me. Yeah. So I wanted to be like, you know, I was just like, well, I want to hang out with this guy. Like, I want this, like this guy to like me. So, and he was big into Van Halen. So I was like, 
Well, I think I should start listening to Van Halen. So I started listening to Van Halen probably later than I should. Like it was around the um, for unlawful uh, unlawful carnal knowledge. So right now was really my introduction into Van Halen, and I had the the double live CD, and this is back like ninety two, ninety three. So they're already kind of on the down, like right. Like they're, they, they've already peaked and they're, and they're coming back down. But this is when I'm, it's like, this is when I jumped in like full bore Van Halen. So what year is that? This, this is like 93. So we're just becoming friends. We became yeah. friends 94, 93. 90, 93. 93, 94. We didn't yeah. talk Van Halen though. I don't think we were no, ready to. No, I, I still kind of knew that. It, oh, maybe it was 92. I can't remember. Anyways. Okay. You got to um, ease into the Van Halen conversation. Yeah. yeah. True. This is the first time we've, we've been friends for... 30 For years. 30 years, and you bring this up now yeah. on a pod. Okay, fine, Frank. <laughs> it's like I don't even know who I'm podcasting yeah. with. If only you knew that my sister was also dating a guy who loved Van Halen, oh, and serious? in particular, the 5150 album. Oh, really? Like, Summer, <laughs> his was Summer Nights was the big song. This is serendipitous. It, that it is, so we became friends. Yes. And and that that guy I now call my brother-in-law. Oh, so, this is Kurt Love. Oh, this. wow. And so I heard about Van Halen all the time, but I hadn't really listened seriously until the summer of 2006. Oh, when yes. when J Code lent me the Live Without a Net DVD concert yeah. from the fifty one fifty tour, yeah, and uh, as you, My, I've I've watched that DVD at least thirty times. Yeah, your I watched it every day in the summer, and it was yeah. just everyone came. I don't know what happened, but I got obsessed, and every day someone came over and said, "Hey, you want to watch Van Halen?" And there, I think people were probably worried a bit about me, but I had a new house. They're so like, "All right, let's watch Van Halen." Yeah. Like, oh, okay, party. We're going to put Van Halen on. It oh, was yeah. like, uh, I was working it, but it was all for the podcast. It was all for well, today. Yeah. This moment has finally all come together. Yeah. So there's a music video that goes with this song. Mm-hmm. But the Live Without a Net concert movie has a way better video. Yeah. And when they put this song out, it's great. And Eddie's on the synth. Mm-hmm. And you can see Sammy's playing well and... My favorite, Michael Anthony. Oh, Michael Anthony is just, oh. that man's a party animal. Yeah, and he's got one of the greatest high rock voices. Oh, yeah. Not utilizing this song, but no. I do want to shout out that Michael Anthony is my favorite member of Van Halen. My second favorite is Sammy Hagar. You heard it here. I am a Van Hagar guy. Not. What about Gary Sharon? I like Gary Sharon. I okay. think he's a nice guy. <laughs> I think he just got caught in the crossfire. Yeah. What's your favorite part of the song? Um, my favorite part has got to be, uh, and I and, and I wonder if it's a little bit of a like a throwback, um, like nod to previous Van Halen, and maybe I, I don't know enough about uh, early Van Halen um, to know if uh, David Lee Roth did his little scatting thing in in the Van Halen songs, or if it was just primarily in it, in his uh, in his solo stuff. But there's the musical uh, interlude, and but then uh, Sammy Hagar's do 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 do. Rick, did Frank take your favorite part too? No, no, not at okay. all. It's, it's good, <laughs> yes. all right. I, but he just almost made it my favorite part by his rendition of it. Actually, so I am a great singer. <laughs> Uh, Rick 
before you go to your favorite part, Frank, that was my favorite part. Oh, that was my second favorite part. My oh. Oh, okay. So oh, you're building up. Building so you up took to my favorite yeah, part. Now, as, let now, me take your second favorite part by <laughs> calling it my first favorite okay, part. Okay. What's now? Okay. Take my. What's what's your? Well, you're gonna be mad at me because I know that you, every time he goes woo. Yeah. You oh, <laughs> just took my other favorite part. I could. I did some research though. He said to Eddie Van Halen. He goes, "Hey, mind if I sing on your over your keys? Like I'll just yeah. follow the." Yeah, follow the cor- whatever you'd say to follow the chords. The melody, yeah, yeah, follow the melody. That is exactly, and he did that. And Eddie Van Halen's like, yeah, that's fine. It turns out Eddie Van Halen hated it when they did wanted him to do counterpoint or something. Yeah, but it was something because when he's doing that scatting part, he's doing it over the keys. Yeah, I keep thinking it's over the electric guitar. That guitar comes in mm. with that, but it's great. Yeah, because David Lee Roth is out there and he does his thing and his as his vocals. If you if you're a fan back then, I'm sure it was something else. But Sammy Hagar is an awesome vocalist. Yeah, Agreed. and that Montrose album from the early '70s is incredible. So if you get a chance, listen to that first Montrose album. That was where he's lead singer, mm-hmm. and it apparently it influenced Van Halen's first album. Oh, okay. So anyways, just put that out there and the woos, the Ric Flair woo, <laughs> yeah. incredible. All right, Rick, your turn. What well, is your see, favorite See, that's part? the thing. It's tough to choose in some ways because it's true. The woos. <laughs> amazing. The scat part, I did always enjoy that. But for me, I don't know why, but the song just always grabbed me right from the intro. You got that punchy synth coming in, kind of giving you that beat. Yeah. It comes in. And then all of a sudden, it just gives way to, I don't even know if it was really their patented guitar sound, but it was something that was very popular within the 80s, that kind of wah-wah guitar. Yeah. And when it, it when it comes in, it just kind of gives you that jolt of adrenaline to the song. And then it keeps that energy level up the whole way through. So the intro for me was always my favorite part. It just kind of seemed to, to blend seamlessly. It gave it that, that shot that you wanted, and then it just kind of carried the song. And then, of course... You know, added in all the the extras, like the the guitar solo, the the scatting, the yeah. woos. Like, yeah, I and just enjoyed that it was high energy and it just makes you feel good for yeah. some reason. And, and early on, there's a, um, and it only happens once in the, in the song, but you, you get that like sort of patented uh, Eddie Van Halen guitar scream. Mm. Like you just, um, um, we'll, we'll play the little section right here for you. But, uh, but yeah, you have that early on, and it, and it sets the tone, right? And yeah. it, it, it get, just gets everything moving the way it's supposed to move. So, mixtape. Mixtape. I've come with a lot here. I'm going to start with a bit of a song sonic universe. If you steal any of the songs that I have uh, picked, which is really only one song because I haven't I, – I, I struggled with this one – we're ending the podcast. Okay, here we go. Here <laughs> you we got go. a lot. I've only got like seven I'm allowed years, to. I'm so. allowed to steal stuff from you. You can't All steal right. stuff from <laughs> me. Maybe you guys should go first because I have so much. It's sort of like I feel like I'm so rich with material here. 
Oh, Why don't you goodness. go first, Frank? The only <laughs> give thing, us, give us your song. The, yeah. the, my only song is "Is This Love" by White Snake. Nice. Hey, Frank, I had this written down. Good thing I didn't say it. Yeah, or else we would have ended the podcast. Okay. Okay. Well, right. Frank's got one song. I guess you're going to give a really a, good one, though, right? Is, so the tape you're giving is, you know, when you look at it, yep. you can see how long the tape is. It's just super, super short, <laughs> right? It's, Two it's songs. Super thin size. So it's like <laughs> side A, why can't this be love? And the second side is, is this love? Yeah. And the girl you're giving this to is wondering, wait a second. And the girl what? that I'm giving it to is uh, filing for a restraining order. Okay. All right, Rick, what do you got for us? Um, so I, I only picked a, a handful of songs here. Uh, I could have gone on for a while, actually, just because, especially at the time frame when this song came out, I mean, if you're trying to stick within the, the decade, I guess, of the 80s, there was a whole lot of synth-driven rock yeah. and pop at that time. So it, it there's a whole lot that it can go with. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the first songs, for some reason, that I would think would fit seamlessly on a mixtape with this one uh, would be... Living on a Prayer, Bon Jovi. Um, and I, I don't know, maybe this is just me, but I feel like it's that whole thing with the guitar sounds that they utilize with it. Because with the the same thing, I don't know what you'd call it. I, I kind of think of it more of as a wah-wah type of sound. It's a talking guitar. Yeah. The guitar talks. And they kind of hit that exact same thing. And it's, it's the synths with the hard guitar coming into it and whatever. And... You know, so and both, I mean, both bands have like the last names. It's uh, Van Halen and Bovine Joni. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and I guess, yeah, and they were both uh, maybe in the latter years too. Kind of got uh, similar criticisms lobbed at them that sure. they went more into the sappy and sentimental, if yeah. you will. But uh, at the time, follow the money, man. So uh, following along again with, I guess, the synth rock, um, I mean, you just got to get some other standards in there, like Danger Zone, Kenny Loggins, come on, high energy type of mm-hmm. songs here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Huey Lewis and the News comes to mind. Which one? I got one. Uh, which one do you have? Well, I had two of them, actually. Okay. I Want a New okay. Drug and Power of Love were okay. two that really kind of popped All right, right. Me. Yeah. Strong guitars. And then, uh, of course, you know, you, you, I would clearly wrap up my tape with waiting for a star to fall by boy meets girl because it's our most listened episode next to me exactly i know right it's also an amazing song yeah can we do another episode on just that song yeah i I want to do another one yeah (laughs) so okay here's what i got on mine so one is song universe in terms of the texture yeah this is sort of way out there but that opener that you talked about being your favorite part that it sounds almost like a helicopter Oh, okay. Hmm. College, Real Hero, that song you hear yeah. in Drive, has that, you hear that driving hmm. sort of synth yeah, 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 thing yeah. going on. It's there and they're related. There's So it's, it, when I heard it, I'm like, oh, wait a sec, that, there's something going on here. Whether or not they know it, they mm-hmm. should be thanking Eddie Van Halen. He's yeah. a genius. Okay, other things I have here. I went with the Is This Love, but the first, there was three Is This Love songs that I found. Oh, okay. The first was by Survivor, who did Eye of the Tiger. Yeah, yeah. They have a mm-hmm. great one called Is This Love. Then I saw the White Snake. I'm like, oh, that's cool. 
And Bob Marley has one called Is This Love? Yeah. Like, oh, I'll throw that in, even though it throws things all out of whack. Then I had a female response to this song. Oh, okay. Taylor Danes, Tell It to My Heart. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And then, he went deep on I this. did. And then... And then I feel like well, he's, he's got a mix actually sitting on his phone oh right now. Oh, my goodness. I went deep today. It was very cold in the house, so yeah. I was uh, thinking a lot here. So then Whitney Houston, because she was number one, of course, yeah. at the time, How Will I Know, yeah, all, is, yeah. is does reach into the same sort of yeah. idea. And uh, This Time I Know It's For Real by Donna Summer. And then... If this is it, please let me know, Huey Lewis. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then I realized the song was about a breakup. Like, oh, whoops. That's that's <laughs> not related at all. No. So, sorry, Huey. You've just been cut. There we go. Okay. There's a category. Is Would this be a Hallmark movie? Which I love that we have this category. Also, I'm just going to throw it out there. I think this is every Hallmark movie. That's exactly so, what yeah. I wrote down, too. That was my note. That's it's right. This is every movie. Yeah. yeah. So, this is easy. Um but hey, Sammy Hagar, reach out to us. Um, we're willing to write a screenplay and give you some credit for it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can co-write with us and then we'll make it big and we can all retire. So so speaking of like reaching out to Sammy Hagar, didn't you have a plan once to uh, to take a vacation and part of the plan was also to invite David Lee Roth, but you... Yeah, you you and uh, who you were Jay vacationing Cole, with yeah. decided not to because he'd probably show up and you'd be terrified. Yeah, that, <laughs> oh, I forgot that was the same year, two thousand six. We were going to invite David Lee Roth to go with us to Egypt. That's right. We had a friend who worked with Sudanese refugees. Yeah, as a nutritionist, so like David Lee Roth would probably come with us because we didn't think he had anything to do. <laughs> but then we thought he would totally come with us. In hindsight, we probably should have invited Sammy Hagar. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. And uh, so David Lee Roth, if you're interested, the Egypt trip's still on the table. I just gotta talk to Ashley. Yeah. And we'll see if that can happen. Jay, you'll have to talk to Jessica, but I think we can make this happen. But I also I also love that it was seriously it was thought about enough that you're just like, no, we shouldn't invite him in case he actually does show up because then it would just be bonkers. Yeah, we talked about this a lot. Yeah. Summer 2006. I'll have There's to, a lot going on. We got to bring that therapist on the show. Yeah. And fast. So, uh, you want to hear what Sammy Hagar had to say about David Lee Roth? Yeah. I mean, it, it. I know that there's no love loss between the two. So, they toured together. So, yeah. after things fell apart yeah. with, with Sammy Hagar and Van Halen, and it was really sad the way it all went down because... Michael Anthony ended up getting caught in the crossfire. Yeah, because Michael Anthony and Sammy Hagar are buds, right? Yeah, and Michael Anthony has been nothing but a gentleman to the Van Halen fans. Yeah. And he's never really spoken ill of his other members other than kind of telling the truth, but he's never been a jerk. Yeah. Or even, he's never even stood up for himself in the way he could have. Yeah. Sammy Hagar has. Uh, you can find that online if you're interested. He gets quite angry about this because he's a good friend. I would think Sammy could be our good friend, too. I think so. All right. Here's what he says about David Lee Roth. The difference between him and I is that I sincerely care. So I want you to think about this with the song we have. I care about everything I do, and I care how it affects people, and I care what they think. I care that it touches them, and that it makes them happy. And what is important to me is enlightening and elevating people spiritually and making them happy and making them have big dreams, making them want to be better themselves. And that's my goal with everything I do, to bring that to people 
and change their life if I can. Wow. Holy cow, Sammy Hagar. If I had tears. Well, you do have tears. You're just not crying right now. I know. I don't think it's as touching as you think that it is. <laughs> it's still very touching. It's very... But it, it's more of a scathing a, a attack on, on, on David Lee Roth, oh, just yeah. basically saying that David Lee Roth really doesn't give a rip. Well, I, they tried to get him to come out to do an encore with Sammy Hagar mm -hmm. that they could sing together. Yeah. And David Lee Roth wouldn't answer the door. So oh, oh, okay. Michael Anthony would bang on and say, hey, come on, just come on out. Nope. So they said David Lee Roth would do his thing, but when he went behind the scenes, didn't talk to Sammy Hagar, didn't talk, nothing. And yeah. Sammy Hagar is, what you see is what you get. But David Lee Roth is a showman, but after that, there's this whole other thing. Yeah. So I got to say, I mean, Sammy Hagar is a good time. Yeah. So, so when um, Van Halen was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the only two members that showed up were Sammy Hagar and Michael Anthony. The two people kicked out of the band. Yeah. And they performed this song, Why Can't This Be Love, uh, as part of their uh, introduction. And the backing band, Paul Schaefer. Yeah. <laughs> hey, good. Yeah. See, I've done See, research. She did great research. So here's what Chuck Klosman has to say about Van Halen in general. See, when you mm -hmm. think about David Lee Roth versus Sammy Hagar, Van Halen is, in many ways, the high-profile exception to otherwise inflexible rules. Classically trained virtuosos who make music for getting hammered in parking lots. <laughs> A metal band that rarely plays metal. A legendary live act consistently criticized for their terrible live performances. A caricature of leering masculinity that proved unusually inclusive to female audiences, an embodiment of American exceptionalism spearheaded by two Dutch Indo-immigrants who could barely speak English when they arrived in Pasadena. There are simply no other bands like this. They were copied constantly, and no one ever got it right. Hmm. And that that's, you know what, like... When you think about the 80s metal, like glam metal, heavy metal, metal, whatever you want to call hard rock, there really isn't another band like Van Halen. It, it, it No one else really sort of fits that mold. Like you had your your Poisons and your Motley Crues and Skid Rose. Um, then Guns you had like your Guns N' Roses, uh, Metallica. You had all these, all these bands, um, but Van Halen kind of lumped in with them but really off doing their own thing and had their own you very very unique sound right like it, it was um and we said a, a number of times like eddie van halen was revolutionary as a, as a musician that that man like man could he play yeah and and it and it's like you know you just kind of throw it aside and just like ah, it's just like you know, jock rock from the eighties and stuff, but listen to what he, what he did. Listen to that uh, guitar solo in eruption, like just unbelievable. Like the, the man was untouchable on the guitar. It's so fascinating. We were picking, why can't this be love? I just like every once in a while, I kind of think like, I can't believe we're doing this song, Yeah, but it is, a, it is a guilt-free pleasure. Oh, absolutely. So yeah. I, Rick, I got to say, thank you for bringing this to the table where every time I come to it, I'm like, Oh, this is good. And it's not like the grand Van Halen songs. Yeah. It's just a It's good... not right now. No, it is not. <laughs> Nothing Which else we... is. Yeah. 
which we assume we're hot to record coming back for right now all right whenever we do it but the this is um but this is a song that is just like there's a sweetness to it yeah and there's interesting things going on musically yeah Rick, what what else you got there on that tablet? There you go. They got some good stuff there. I can see. Well, just uh, one of the questions that you had uh, posited. Mm-hmm. I like using that word for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, was can Michael Bolton sing this? And I feel like I need to bring this around yeah, because please. Yeah. undoubtedly, undoubtedly, go back and uh, and listen to some of his masterpieces off of the Everybody's Crazy album. That's right. When uh, Michael Bolton decided that he was a hard rocker, well, yeah, that was his that was first his third album. off. Yeah, and um, and you listen like he's got that similar rasp to the voice. They they kind of operate in different registers. Uh, Sammy Hagar tended to hit higher, but Bolton can get there. And you listen to that uh, that album, and yeah, I think that you would you would undoubtedly have a hit on Michael Bolton's hands right there Boy. if he had this song. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I hope you've been able to appreciate why can't this be love? And I hope you've been able to appreciate it in a new way. And I hope you've been able to answer that question. I know we haven't come back around to it. But if you're in that situation where you're feeling something you've never felt before, where you're with that person and it's unlike anything you've experienced, listen, Sammy Hagar asked the question, just say, yeah, it is love. Rick, I want to thank you for joining us again. You're welcome to join us again on the podcast. Frank, I want to thank you, too. <laughs> for for constantly being here? For being here. That's right. <laughs> and this podcast is going so well. But you know what? Only time will tell if we stand the test of time. This has been Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures. Well, let's dive into the song here. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Who, who's going to jump first? <laughs> <laughs> Rick, do you want to dive in? <laughs> Take the reins on everything here. This is the first single. Oh, yeah. That's how we dive in. Yeah. <laughs> we talk about the yeah. song. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let me start again. Yeah. No, that's perfect. Just okay. We'll just cut okay. everything out there. Well, I hope you've come to appreciate what... What's the name of this song again? Why can't this be love? Yeah, let's try this again. <laughs> I'm a real big fan, you can tell. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just like the I'll try it again. It's okay. like the eighth time you forgot the <laughs> name of the song. Because love comes walking in is so much uh, better than this song. <laughs> love sorry. comes walking in. And then Michael Anthony. <laughs> so hey listen i watched live without a net like hours yeah i couldn't remember this song I remembered every other song yeah summer nights is such a good tune yeah okay oh, i'll yeah. come back to this